Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God I would lay on your hearts this morning comes from the 13th chapter of 2 Corinthians, verses 11 to 14, as follows. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So far the holy word. Dear friends in Christ, fellow redeemed. Trinity Sunday, a Sunday where every pastor who's trying to teach this important Bible doctrine to uh, his members looks for illustrations to help us get a grasp on exactly what the Trinity is to us. And in the end, we can't do it. The doctrine of Trinity, as far as explaining it goes, I can't do it. All I can say is, I believe it, and I know you do too, because the Bible teaches it. The fact that we have One God, but three persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, I can use the earthly examples of, for instance, the word God. There's one word, God, but there's three letters, G-O-D. Or take water, H-2-O. You remember from science that in high school that there's three forms of water, uh, gas, liquid, and solid. But it's all H-2-O. So those kind of help us with this teaching of the doctrine of the Trinity, but all earthly illustration and examples are going to fall short of what the Holy Spirit can teach you just by hearing again and again of your powerful one true God who has revealed himself to us in the persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today our theme is gifts from your triune God. And according to that familiar blessing, we call it the apostolic blessing. Usually we hear it, we use that in Bible class, at the end of Bible class. Sometimes we hear it at the end of our evening services uh, during Advent or Lent. But it's called the apostolic blessing. And from that blessing we will draw the gifts that God, your triune God, intends for you. Those gifts are grace, love, and fellowship. They are gifts from your triune God to you. Now looking at 2 Corinthians here, it's the end of the second letter that the Apostle Paul had written to this congregation of believers, saints, in Corinth. You know, most of the New Testament letters, the epistles, are individual letters that were written to individual congregations. Ephesians was written to the uh, believers in Ephesus. Uh, Go go right down the line. Galatians was written to the believers in in the province of Galatia. Colossians to the believers in Colossae and so forth. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, a congregation of believers and saints there in Corinth. And when you read through 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and it'll take you a while if you'd like to do that, but if you read through it, you'll find out that that congregation had a lot of problems. 
Wow, they went through one thing after another. There was all kinds of things that needed to be straightened around. Hence, Paul writes these two letters to them to help them to grow in the grace and knowledge of their Savior, Jesus Christ. And as he wrote it to them, he writes it to us. Inspired by the Holy Spirit to take pen in hand, the Holy Spirit had the Apostle Paul write down the very thoughts and words that he wanted them him to write down. So that when we read this letter, these verses, and indeed all of the 66 books of the Bible, we know that this is God's word written for our learning, for our benefit. Another gift from our triune God. The first of these gifts I'd like to talk about that are mentioned here in the apostolic blessing is grace. Now a brief uh, definition of grace that all of our confirmands know, and probably you do too, is grace is undeserved love. That's what grace is. God's grace towards us is his undeserved love and kindness that caused him to send his son to help us with our sin problem because we were certainly captive. We could do nothing to turn towards God or to rid ourselves of the sins that we are guilty of. So God, out of pure love, genuine care and concern for your best spiritual interest, sent his son, Jesus Christ, down to earth to take on our flesh, to become a man so that he could live a life completely through just like you and I do, yet without sin. All for the purpose of taking that perfect, innocent life as the Lamb of God, very symbolic for the sacrifice that Jesus put up for us that was so necessary. I couldn't pay for one sin in my life, even if I had all the wealth of the world. You couldn't either. There's nothing we can think, say, or do that'll pay the price of a single sin. Only the precious, innocent blood of Christ could do that. And so God, out of love, even though it was his only begotten son whom he loves, he sent him out of love for you. That's the kind of grace, that undeserved kindness and love and mercy that God shows us that we'll spend the rest of eternity fathoming and pouring over and holding up in our lives as the gospel message it is. That grace encourages us uh, in the response to that grace in our lives. When you hear about how the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, has been showered down upon you, which is how the apostolic blessing starts out, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you hear again and again, according to the word of God in scriptures, here on a Sunday morning, when you open your Bibles at home, when you have that devotion, again, you get to hear of God's grace. And that's the good news that cheers our hearts and reminds us of sins forgiven and the sacrifice that Christ made in our behalf to free us from the bondage of the devil and our own sins. We've been freed. Now, as Galatians 3 tells us, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. The redemptive work of Christ has been accomplished, and the word always reminds you of that. And the result? You and I can battle our own sinful flesh every day. We can wake up reminding ourselves that Christ has forgiven us, that even though And we know we'll sin for the rest of this day. We'll commit sins tomorrow and the week to come. We know that we have a loving Savior, a high priest who went through the same temptations but never failed, all so that he could chalk it up to your account 
on the last day. Just like we said in the Athanasian Creed, everyone will give an account of his works on the last day. And I've failed, and I know you have too. But according to the grace of God, Jesus' perfect life has been accounted to yours out of grace. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we refer to Jesus as the Lord, our righteousness, the one who kept the law perfectly in our place, the one whom God will see on that last day when we declare what works we have done. They are Jesus' works, his deeds, not mine. What a gift from our gracious God, this gift of grace. That's why the apostle can, even after all the problems that he was addressing in that particular congregation there in Corinth, and we know we have our problems too, we know that um, we can take his commands that he gives us, and one, the one is right staring at us there, become complete. Become complete. It's an ongoing activity. It's not just be perfect and then then you're done. It's an ongoing becoming complete. How do we do that? Well, let me give you another passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, how do you become complete? I guess I have to tell you the verse right before that too. You'll hear it next Sunday, Lord willing, from our confirmant. It's one of the verses we Memorize to remind ourselves that the Bible truly is inspired and that we don't need anything more than the Bible, that the Bible makes us complete, thoroughly equipped to handle everything that comes our way. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when the apostle encourages you In fact, he does more than encourage you. He gives you an evangelical admonition. He orders you, gives you a command. Become complete. Keep it up. Keep working on it. How do we do that? Well, we go right back to those scriptures. Those scriptures that are good for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Every day we need to be reminded and instructed in the righteousness of not our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness and what he's done for us. That enables us to try and live better lives as we go along, to turn away from sin and do what pleases God. That encourages righteousness in our own lives. And it's all from God's grace. It's also from His love. Definition of love, and we need to define love. The Bible has different words for different types of love. Like, uh, we get our... uh, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. That comes from a Greek word, philos. The word for love in the Bible, that this is the love of God, is agape love. Maybe you've heard that before. Agape means a genuine care and concern for the other person's best interest. It's the kind of love God has for us. In that passage from John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The love that God has for you is one of the gifts that you get from your powerful triune God every day of your lives. Every day you crack the word and meditate upon what it said. Every day you look at it and pour over it. Every day you have those devotions or gather here to sing praises to your God. You get his love. 
the love of God. Now, if the redemptive work of Christ, if the grace of Jesus Christ was first mentioned in this apostolic blessing, what's the love of God? What genuine care and concern? Well, of course he gave his son. But don't overlook the fact that normally on a Sunday we, we say the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. God in love created all things. And he created you as the crown of his creation. To have everything else in creation under your dominion and subjection. You were put here on this earth to take care of God's creation and have it serve you. And even when we fell into sin, God immediately came up with that plan. The head crusher, Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, that old serpent, the devil. The miracle birth of no man involved, Jesus, the seed of the woman, would deliver us from the devil. And even when we sinned, God came up with a plan to save us from that sin. Why did he do it? Out of love. Why God sent his son Jesus out of love. Why did Jesus go through it all? Even though, as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. He sweat, as it were, while he was praying, great drops of blood. He was so filled with anxiety about what was about to happen. Why didn't he just rock it back into heaven and say, you guys are on your own. I'm not going to go through with that. The answer is love. Genuine care and concern for your best interest and mine, for those, for every single soul in this world. So he went through with it. That's why God the Father in love sent him. God created this world out of love. He continues to preserve this world out of love for you and for me. In the Psalms we read, The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. God just didn't let you be born and then walk away and say you're on your own. He preserves every moment of every day in our lives. Here in the Lutheran church, when a baby is baptized, the pastor makes the sign of the cross over the child's breast and says these words, the Lord preserve your coming in and your going forth from this time forth, even forevermore. Maybe that happened to you when you were a baby. If not, you just heard the word, the powerful word of God to remind you that out of love, he continues to preserve you. Paul wrote in Romans about the love of God when he said in chapter 8, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What awesome love that God has for us. What's our response? Well, when you're shown that kind of love, you can't help but reflect it to others. You can't help but want other people, friends, family, neighbors, acquaintances, even if you're just able to talk to them for a few moments for the rest of their lives and yours. It's that love of God in your heart that moves you to tell other people about Him. How important for someone to hear that implanted word which is able to save their souls. We know that when we tell people about Christ, when we tell people about what He did on the cross, that, that the Holy Spirit can work through God's word in their heart to save them too. So that they too can experience the grace, the love, and then enjoy that 
final gift that the Holy Spirit has for us in these verses, fellowship. In our verse, it's called communion. The communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. But communion means sharing, doesn't it? Another word for sharing or communion is fellowship. You could say the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, or the sharing of the Holy Spirit. It's exactly what we're doing as a congregation. We are sharing the word of God with each other. We are fellowshipping in the, in the, as, as, in, in the highest sense of what fellowship means, knowing that there's one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of us all who is above all and in you all. It's the comfort of that word that brings us these gifts of fellowship. We value our church fellowship. Uh, we, church fellowship here, Paul encourages them to be of one mind, which uh, and we read in the New Testament church. You probably heard it last Sunday on the day of Pentecost that those people who believed, 3,000 3, souls were added to the church in one day. And what did those people do? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread and prayer and fellowship. They continued in those things. We too, today, are part of this New Testament church. We too, today, know what our great triune God has done for us. He's shown us his grace. He reveals his love to us every day in his word. And he keeps us together in the fellowship, a tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, as the hymn writer says. We get to experience this every time we come here and join together in worship. And we value that fellowship. We protect it with the word of God, which is able to keep error from creeping in. We do that out of love, too. So with this apostolic blessing, the Apostle Paul gives you and I great gifts from our triune God. Gifts of grace, gifts of love, and fellowship. May those gifts continue to rule our hearts and lives in God's kingdom as the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself continues in your heart to tell other people so that we'll all today, all someday, maybe today, someday be gathered together singing his praises in the perfect fellowship of his church in heaven forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.